Hi, everybody. I'm Gus Johnson along with the governor. He says he got all his jeans from his mom. From his mom. A lot of nylon. A lot of excitement in the air. Yes. And we're ready for college basketball. College basketball. Oh, oh. What's up, everybody? Welcome to week 16 of the Big East Barroom, sponsored by SeatGeek. Use the code BEBR at checkout. You want to go to a Big East tournament game? That's a lot of what we're going to be talking about today. Madison Square Garden. Use the code BEBR at checkout. You get $20 off your order. Congratulations. Now you just got in for free. Kind of. I don't know if that's actually how it works. Ryan, how are you this wonderful Sunday afternoon? One of the last Sunday, the last Sunday of February. What an entrance. I'm confused now. I don't really know what we were talking about. Um, it's great to be here. We're almost in March. Oh, is uh, John Rothstein's tweet going to come out soon? It's March or whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, I, it was a little anticlimactic, but that was March. Be- Did you want me to? Oh, I could do a voice. Um, what, what are you feeling right now? No <laughs> um, another week. We're almost into the Big East tournament. We're seeing some teams die off at this point, right? But we also had probably the biggest win of the Big East season this week. We're seeing resurgences. We're seeing deaths. We're seeing dead bodies being covered up even further. Um, I mean, I agree with what you're saying, but like then I thought St. John's was dead and they go out and have a 2-0 week. So is St. John's dead? Well, why don't we jump right into it? Why don't we put three minutes on the clock and we'll talk about the St. John's Johnnies. The St. John's Johnnies still is not their nickname, but the St. John's Red Storm played two games this week and beat Georgetown 90 to 85. Then they just beat Creighton today, 80 to 66. We would be remiss not to talk about Jordan Dingle and Dennis Jenkins. Dennis Jenkins in the game against Creighton put up 27 points on 12 of 18 shooting while Jordan Dingle chipped in 18 points. This is on the heels of Jordan Dingle um, also scoring in his last game, he was able to put up against Georgetown 22 points. So 40 points in two games from Jordan Dingle. Starting to see some of that. Uh, was he second in the league in scoring last year? In, uh, second in the country, I believe. Second in the country, yeah. Um, yeah, kind of a tale of two different games, even though they won both. The Georgetown game, they did not look good in at all. They gave up 85 points to Georgetown. You can't do that. You're only lucky that Georgetown plays even less defense than that. Allowed 90 points. It was way too close down the stretch. Um, and Rick Pitino may have had an aneurysm if they lost that game. But then they just went out and dominated today against Creighton. I thought they were fantastic. I thought that was one of the best defensive performances they've had all season. And Dennis Jenkins looked like a bona fide stud. We need to start talking about him for Big East honors. Yeah, I, I was really impressed by their off-ball defense. They were really physical. They weren't getting beat on back cuts. But even handoffs were really tough. And Creighton can be moved around a little bit, um, especially physicality is not their strong suit. So the fact that they were able to be so physical with that team, I thought they were the first to the floor. They were first on every loose ball. St. John's, what are you being weird about? You give me a look. I thought St. John's played their best game of the season, and exactly what you said. I thought they were first to the floor. Um, They're still out of the tournament at this point. They're not really – they're not next four out. They're not last four out. They're, they're comfortably outside of the NCAA tournament. So this doesn't move the needle for me in that regard, but it's great to see them playing some good basketball. And, and this is kind of 
Like, this is the Jordan Dingle we wanted to see. I don't think anybody expected that Dennis Jenkins would be this good. Well, maybe some people did, but I didn't, so I'm going to pretend like nobody did. I mean, let's. they have three games left in the season. They play Butler, and then they play DePaul and Georgetown. I'm not saying that they're necessarily, you know, near the bubble or whatever, but they're eight and nine in conference play. If they win 11 Big East games, we're going to have to talk about them a little bit differently, and they should win those last two games of the season. 11, 11 Big East wins in this Big East is pretty good. I think they can only get 10 Big East wins. If they beat Butler, they'll have nine. Georgetown, 10. DePaul, 11. Oh, you're right. They beat Xavier before they played Hofstra. That's going to confuse me every time. Um, 11 wins. Four of them are Georgetown and DePaul. So you got seven wins. You can't just say you have seven wins. Ed Cooley's doing a great job for Jeff Goodman. Yeah, I mean, you swept Villanova. They really don't have any very good wins. I don't see them being very close to the bubble at all. No, but they also don't have any really bad losses, which is important. Um, so they did the same record as Butler right now. And that's, I think that we're going to have a little bubble off, you know, on Wednesday. Right. If we're going to talk about St. John's, I think we should go to the team that actually won a game this week that they played Georgetown. Um, because we need to talk about Georgetown anyway. Are we going to put two minutes on the clock? Or would you like to talk about them for the full three? I don't have three minutes worth of content on Georgetown Hoyas just because they beat the worst power six team to play in a power six conference in the last decade. Okay. So I I will not be giving them flowers and I don't want to hear you giving them flowers as if it's some kind of accomplishment to be, they will be the worst big East team in the history of Ken Palm to Paul. So beating them, that's not an accomplishment. Okay. That's avoiding the biggest embarrassment you could ever imagine. Go ahead. And you're absolutely correct, but they did play well against St. John's. I thought down the stretch, uh, they were down 21 at one point in that game and they only lose by five. Jaden Epps did score 33 points in the win against DePaul. Jaden Epps is not a huge part of the problem at Georgetown right now. I think Ryan's right. Ryan's more fired up than I am. Normally I'm, I'm kind of into complacency with Georgetown, which I think is worse than being fired up because I'm kind of like, yeah, you guys suck. This is what it is. You've disappointed this year. I'm pretty frustrated with Ed Cooley. I'm pretty frustrated with the excuses. I didn't think it could be this bad. They were on pace for an, they d- did not beat a team not named DePaul this season. I mean, this is an absolute travesty. DePaul is the worst team. Well, in- let's to be fair, let's remember they beat Notre Dame. Like they be, you know, they got several non-conference wins. Most of them are really low majors, and they did lose to Holy Cross. So it's not like they uh Someone tried to yell about Holy Cross when it happened, but it wasn't happening. And right, they finished the season with Villanova, Xavier, Providence, and St. John's. Maybe they could play with Xavier. I mean, they're I'd say they're playing at home, but there's no home court environment because none of the fans will show up. And you know what? I am hot actually about it. Georgetown fans, show the hell up. You wanted to talk all offseason about how Ed Cooley was a savior. You knew this season was going to be a freaking rebound, and now you don't show up to any games. I'm nobody, sorry. Nobody knew it was going to be this bad. You didn't know it. And how could you expect sure. Georgetown fans to know it? You get a competent coaching and a bunch of transfers. Listen, St. John's is bad, but they're not this bad. They're competitive. They're, you just said they won 11 games. But you knew, okay, what? At best, they were going to win five biggest games this year. They're going to finish three games below what they did. I'm, I'm sorry. It starts with the fans. You got to bring the fans in. I don't need to hear about that. They need to win first. Bring the freaking, if you're a fan, show up and show that you're willing to put the time in. I don't know how their NIL budget is $4 million next year when they don't have one fan that can show up to a freaking game. Why would I invest in that program right now if I was a donor? 
Let's move over to Georgetown's arch rival, the uh, Providence Friars. Put three minutes on the clock and talk about another first-year coach. And Providence won their only game this week. They kind of had their bye week, but they won 79-75 against Xavier. Um, This will be known as the ticket gains block, which might have saved their season. Um, As Desmond Claude is driving, ticket gains with a really emphatic block to keep the game or to keep Providence in the lead. I mean, everything about Providence, I have to say, is positive because they have really, really impressed me this season. Yeah, I admittedly fell asleep in the second half of this game, but I went back and rewatched. So I'm I'm up to date with this. Uh, I thought their defense was really good. They finished with eight blocks in this game. So, you know, regardless of the final block, which Sean Miller, you know, talks about was just the play of the game and um, gives Tiggy Gaines all kinds of flowers. They had seven blocks before that, including, I don't know if you saw me post Devin Carter blocking Abu Ousman. Mm-hmm which is just a lot of fun watching a six foot three guy block a six ten guy. Um, I thought the defense was good. And let's be honest, Xavier has trended in the wrong direction since they kind of fell off the bubble. We just watched them get blow out, blown out by Marquette. So I'm not necessarily overly excited about this win, but they took care of business. They, they didn't lose the game, and that's all you can ask for. Right, when um, Bryce Hopkins got hurt. Did you think this was even possible that they would be on the right side, you know, looking in? Because I didn't think it was possible. I thought we were going to be looking for next season. Did I think Devin Carter would play like an All-American after Bryce Hopkins went out? No. Yeah. Um, it actually, it brings me back because what was the first game they played without him? Was it at Creighton? Um, they, after they, after um, Devin Carter got hurt in the beginning of January, they played Creighton and they lost by nine. So Bryce Hopkins, but... Yeah, and in that game, Devin Carter was just incredible, and I think he took a ridiculous amount of shots, and he played a ridiculous amount of minutes. And I remember thinking to myself, like, oh, that's nice, he's trying, but, like, there's no way he can pull it off and win without Bryce Hopkins. Because he had tweeted out something like, I'm going to do it for you, man. And I remember thinking, like, oh, that's cute, but, like, nah, you can't do it. He he did it. Yeah. I mean, after they lost to Seton Hall, that game where Bryce Hopkins gets hurt, their next three games they lose. But I, I, same thought process, right? When remember when they played St. John's and Devin Carter was just having to like he was stealing the ball and having to everything was in fast break and transition. They lose their next three games, and then after that, since they've lost their last three games, they're seven and three in their last ten games. I mean, this team is trending in the right direction. They figured out how to play without Bryce Hopkins. Corey Floyd scored eleven points in this game. He continues to step up, and. You can't replace Bryce Hopkins, but what you do is if Corey Floyd can give five more percent and Devin Carter can give 20 more percent or whatever, you eventually get towards that 100 that you need to replace. So Providence is trending in the right direction. At this point for me, I firmly believe that they are in the tournament. Um, Their last three games, four games of the season, though, are no help. They play Marquette, um, then they play and they have UConn in these four games. So they need to beat Villanova and Georgetown, um, go two and two down the stretch win 20 games, 20 and 11, and they should easily be in the tournament, in my opinion. I agree with that 100%. All right, Ryan, we're going to talk about Providence. Let's jump to the team they beat this week, and that's Xavier, who lost both their games this week to Providence, and they lost to Marquette. Um, I think we are starting to see that Xavier just, without some of their players, um, they just don't have the legs for this anymore. They got blown out against Marquette today in a game that was never really close. Um, They're definitely trending in the wrong direction. I don't even think they're near the bubble right now. Yeah, this is my heartbreaker. Um, of a season, you know, they looked like they were in it. They were on a three game winning streak. They had beat Villanova at home where Villanova doesn't get a shot off. They had beat St. John's earlier in that winning streak. 
in the game. Quincy Oliveri hits those huge shots and they've lost four in a row since then. And uh, increasingly uncompetitive. They were competitive in the Providence game, to be fair, but they just got blown out at Marquette. Um, this season's unfortunately over for them unless they get the automatic qualifier. And I'm not necessarily saying that's impossible, but but it's it's got to be a very disappointing season for Mar- uh, Xavier fans. They have the coach they want. They went to the Sweet 16 last year. I know the injuries were terrible, but it looked like they were maybe going to salvage it towards the middle of the season. And at this point, it's it's going to be a lost season. Yeah, I thought um, on the broadcast today they brought up a good point. Um, one of the things about Xavier is a lot of these players were not supposed to be in the roles that they were in. Um, that, you know, they brought in their walk-in walk-on today. I don't know if you saw that at the end of the game. He ended up playing the last seven minutes of the game. It's one of these, uh, you know, I wish I was well-versed in every single walk-on on the in the league, but they just have a bunch of players that are just carrying this team, you know, the best they can. Desmond Claude wasn't supposed to be the first option. He was supposed to be the second or the third option in many ways. Um, defenses are really keen into him and what he's doing and, you know, not being a fantastic shooter has really hurt him this year. The book's a little out on Quincy right now. Quincy's fantastic still, but people are trying to run him off the line the best that they can. They just look, they look gassed at this point. I think it's a long season. Those three have carried them the best they can. And this is about the best, you know, that you could hope for them. Yeah. They used up all the magic they had to get a few of those wins in the middle of the season to, play themselves back onto the bubble. They they used up everything they had and there's nothing left up. Name's Brad Colbert. Let's give him a little credit for what he does. Those walk-ons play very important roles, getting our guys ready to go on night in, night out. So a little respect to Mr. Brad Colbert. And a little respect to Sean Miller. I believe he checked in with about seven minutes ago. Um, he plays four minutes in this game. He scores two points. I think they were both free throws. Um Hey, yes, I agree. Walk-ons are important as much as I would like to know all 11 teams, every player. I don't know all the walk-ons. I'm not even sure I know every one of UConn's walk-ons right now. I am really excited to see what this team looks like next season, uh, barring the heartbreak that some people have suggested that I won't even give airtime to. John Miller's not going to be there? Is that the heartbreak you're referencing? I won't acknowledge that comment, but I am really excited to see what roster he assembles next year because I think Sean Miller is one of the best coaches in the country. Um, I have no doubts on him, and I don't think this season reflects on him. Yeah. And unrelated news, did you see Jay Wright today said he will not be taking the Ohio, Ohio State job? Did he get so off with the Ohio State job? I don't know. He said, I'm not interested in coaching anymore. He said, I won't be taking the Ohio State job. That's totally unrelated. Why would we be talking about that? Guys, I also will not be taking the Ohio State job. I'm taking this moment to make my decision known. And I'm 50-50 on the Ohio State job right now, so I'm not going to confirm, but I'm not going to deny it either. I love people um, announcing whether they'll take a job that they weren't offered. I'm sure Jay Wright could have the Ohio State job if Jay Wright wants. No, you're absolutely right, but I still love the idea. But there's another job he should be taking, and that is the Villanova Wildcat job. You want to talk Villanova? We could talk Villanova. Sure, let's move over to Villanova, put three minutes on the clock. They went one and one They beat yeah, they went one and they week. lost to UConn. Yeah, I think Villanova's trending in the right direction. They beat Butler 72-62, and they got blown out yesterday by UConn, but a lot of teams have gone in the stores this year and get blown out. They lost by 24 points. It was um, close with about 10 minutes to go in the second half. I'm not buying that was a blowout. Villanova fans. 78-54. to I'm sorry, a 24-point win isn't a blowout anymore, but Villanova wins both this game. I thought one of the best signs was the way that Justin Moore played, especially against Butler, because I'm going to say that has more to do with 
um, who he is at this point rather than the UConn slaughter. I'll say slaughter. Is that okay? Is that a uh, better than blowout? You're crazy. Uh, you think that was a slaughter? Hey, it was a five point game with like 12 minutes to go. 24 point win. Um, just were you more watching? Shot. I watched the whole game. Texted you during it. You were there. You were blinded by the UConn. Your UConn bias. That's why. Um, <laughs> 13 points for Justin Moore in the Butler game on four of six shooting. It was his, one of his more efficient shooting days of the uh, season. And I thought that he was just really good. So I think that is a really good sign for uh, Villanova coming down the stretch. Yeah, the UConn game was tough. They really put an emphasis on trying to take Eric Dixon out of the paint and stretch the floor. Donovan Klingon has to come out to guard. Eric Dixon had probably his worst shooting night of his career. Um. I could pull up the exact stat, but he he could not hit anything. It did look like Klingon's um, length length was bothering him. He shot two of eight from three. You know, if he shot four of eight, it changes UConn's defense significantly. Would have been an 18, it would have been an 18-point win, and Ryan would have said that it was a nail-biter. Um, you don't know what you're talking about, but I think when the shot's not falling like that, you shoot three of 24 from three against the number one team in the country on the road at Gamble at a whiteout. It, like that's a really hard ask. They're offensively limited to begin with. And, and Don McClendon also did a really good job on the po- in the post on Eric Dixon. Dixon did not get him into foul trouble. Dick, uh, Dixon missed several, you know, really close shots because of Klingon's length. Yeah. I don't want this to become a, you know, UConn segment, but I did think they also did a really nice job on housing. They really hounded him when he didn't have the ball. He only got two threes up in this game and missed them both. Um, yeah. They need Justin Moore. They need Eric Dixon. They need Burton. They need Martin. Like they need their guys to be guys. Um, yeah. They're not going to beat the number one team in the country, but I think they are on the bubble right now and they're trending in the right direction. Um, they have a tough stretch though coming up because they don't have a DePaul game pretty much down the stretch but they get georgetown on tuesday and then they get their last three games providence seton hall and creighton and i think they probably yeah i think they probably need to get at well at minimum one two to feel very secure Um, obviously three would be in but this this villanova team i thought three weeks ago had no chance to be in the tournament and they've really kind of turned it around neptune might be coaching for his job I think at this point, most people are saying that he's going to keep his job because of how good this February has been. I mean, we're talking they went four and two in February. Well, and they're going to go five and two after they beat Georgetown for their last game. And one of those losses is on the road against the number one team in the country. So I think he's pretty much saved his job. He'll be back for his third year, as most coaches get. Uh, yeah. This has been a nice turnaround for them. And blowout wins, too. I mean, beating Providence by 18, beating uh, Seton Hall by 26 when they no showed. Um, you know, beating Georgetown by 16. I mean, this they've been winning in convincing fashion other than the UConn game, pretty much. You're being a little weird about blowout victories right now. I mean, I'm saying that, that they, they're playing so well that they are like they're not just winning games or blowing teams out. All right, who's your pick? Uh, I guess while I'll go if we're gonna stay on this little you know back and forth, I'll go with UConn because they played two games this week, and I think their first game might have been the most interesting game of the Big East, um, at least the Big East week. So they lost to Creighton, 85 to 66 at Creighton, their first loss, and I believe 14 games. And then they beat Villanova 78-54 with college game day in attendance. Right. I gotta I'll ask you the question straight up. Which says more about UConn right now? Are they the Villanova or are they the Creighton? They're the Villanova. I think listen, UConn 
struggled defensively at times against Creighton. And, you know, there were moments where guys got free that should not have got free. But in general, when you got a team shooting from the logo and, you know, the way the shy was rocking and, uh, you know, Greg McDermott says it's one of the best atmospheres they've ever had in there. It rivals Doug McDermott's senior day. Um, that's really tough when they shoot 50% from three. And it's, there's very few teams that are going to go in there and win that. Um, they had to tighten up the defense after that game. They did against Villanova, and they, they got a win against Villanova uh, despite having a bad shooting night themselves. So I think pretty confidently I'm not losing a ton of faith in them. I'm not either, but let me play a little pessimist. I said after the Marquette game that I felt like UConn allowed a lot of open shots to Marquette that they missed. Um, they, UConn ends up winning that game by 28, so nobody really talks about those shots. I thought Creighton just didn't miss those shots you know, when they were playing and at some point you have to live with live, you're going to live with uh green shooting those threes for Creighton. You're going to live with Ashford shooting from the logo, but I thought Creighton made their open shots in this game where I thought Marquette, even though there was a 28 point win, I did, you know, start to see a little bit of breakdowns and a little bit of open threes. And in the tournament, what beats you three point shooting guard play, you can lose on any given night. So not going to sound the alarm at all. I think UConn is by far the best team in the country. I don't think it's very close, to be honest. But their perimeter defense, I think, is a little bit suspect. Where last year was very suspect, and January they tightened it up. The only thing that would concern me is that January was so bad last year. Dan Hurley talks about it like a toxic relationship, January. That UConn doesn't have enough time this year to straighten it out because we're starting to see those cracks with only about four games to go. No, I'm not buying that. I'm really not buying any of that. You know, Creighton made 14 threes in this game. I think maybe three or four of them were bad defense from UConn. I think the rest of them were just a really freaking good shooting night. You also had a problem where, um, you know, Donovan Klingon went out on foul trouble pretty early. So Samson Johnson has to play when Samson Johnson plays pick and roll defense. He hard hedges, they tag. That leaves an open shooter in the corner every time. That's a structural issue. That that's totally avoided if you have Donovan Clean and playing because now you don't have to bring a tagger from the corner. But that's not a bad defense. I, I, I don't think it's a bad defense at all. I'm not trying to say that. I'm saying if I'm gonna look for a crack in UConn's armor as the number one team in the country, I would say that perimeter defense. And it is very fair to say that Donovan Kling and not being able to stay on the floor, even though I thought both those foul calls were very suspect. Donovan Klingon not being able to stay on the floor is a very big Achilles heel for UConn because they are the best team in the country by far with, with Donovan Klingon on the court. Without him, they're a top 10 team in the country. All right. So I've texted you that and you said no, but I, I very much agree with that point. Well, I'm saying they're a top 10 team in the country. You say they look mortal. I'm like, yeah, well, what does that mean? Beatable. And then they got beat. And we got to uh, keep moving. So let's oh. go over to Creighton. Tristan Newton, Tristan Newton triple double. Let's go over to Creighton and talk about their side, put three minutes on the clock. Um, and I guess we can ask the same question. They go one and one this week. They, uh, you know, they, they poured it on against UConn in probably the program's most important regular season win in the program history. And then they lost at St. John's. Which one says more about Creighton to you? Both. Creighton fans aren't going to like it. St. John's. I, I, Ryan, we were talking before the show, and I think – it's a very stupid take by us, but yeah, if Creighton shots don't go, they're never going to win a game. They don't have offense outside of their three-point shooting a lot of the time other than Trey Alexander mid-range. And Trey scored 31 points in the St. John's game. I mean, he was unbelievable. This Creighton team 
plays very, I don't want to say soft, but they play very fluid basketball. And against UConn, it looks beautiful. When you play fluid and you're uh, hitting your shots, it looks really good. But when you play fluid and you're missing your shots, it looks like you're soft. And I thought St. John's beat them in a lot of punches. I thought St. John's rebounded the ball. They out-rebounded Creighton in this game. I thought that they were just better. I will say the one thing that makes me a little optimistic about this week is Creighton's bench was really good against UConn, um, but then they were really bad against St. John's. So I, for me, it comes down to what their bench can give you in a tournament. I need Farabello and Green to give you at least 8 to 10 points. Not each, but together. Yeah, I completely see your point. If I'm going to play devil's advocate, you know, they they don't game plan for Baylor Shireman going, what, one of nine from three? Can you look that up for me? Um, you know, they don't game plan for Stephen Ashworth having a bad shooting night. Not that they necessarily are game planning for shooting 50% from three, but you expect to be able to shoot, you know, better than they did from three uh, in the game against St. John's. And we certainly know they have that ability. So if you're looking at it from an optimistic point of view on Creighton, we can shoot. Any given night, we can shoot the way we did at the shot. We have some of the best shooters in the country. I mean, our four, Mason Miller, is shooting 45% from three. Um, so I, you know, definitely a high ceiling on the team. And we just saw they could be anybody in the country when they're hot. He, uh, Sharman shot one of 10. But, Ryan, I told you for the week that, you know, they shoot quick math right here, 54 shots they shot. They hit 20 of 54, which is about like 38%. That's that's what they shot for the week. And that includes a 50% game and they six of 26 for today. I Maybe it's just a law of averages. I also think there's very much something to be said. We just saw UConn play their Super Bowl um, against Marquette and then come out really flat against Creighton. Creighton played their Super Bowl against UConn and then came out really flat against St. John's. I think there's something to be said about you get that big win and um, there's a little bit of a letdown. Yeah, I think so too. They were pulling kind of from deep against St. John's almost as if they expected that hotness to uh, carry over. Um, and it didn't. They, they, they had gone cold once they got to New York, apparently. Let's also, we need to give this guy, we we actually weren't that hard on him, but Stephen Ashworth has absolutely flourished. I know he didn't play very well in the St. John's game, but 5 of 13 from 3 and 20 points in the biggest game of probably his NCAA career against UConn. This kid is rising at the right moment and looks a lot more like that player that they thought they were getting from Utah State rather than the player um, he was at the beginning of the season. No arguments. Um, do you want to knock out DePaul? We'll put a minute on the clock and talk about the DePaul. We're going to knock out DePaul? I mean, we could try, but, I mean, they got some tall guys. We're not that tall. They're from Chicago. There's no chance we're knocking them out. But uh, they suffer the worst humiliation you can, which is getting swept by Georgetown. That's not the worst humiliation because you could get beat by DePaul. But nobody had that humiliation. So uh, so George getting swept by Georgetown is the next worst. Tied any takeaways you had from this game, either game? No, no, they lost by 34 points against um, Marquette. At the end of that game, Tyler Kolick was throwing passes between his legs because it was an absolute NBA all-star game level of defense. Hey, they fought against Georgetown. It felt like they knew they had a chance to win that game. So, hell, yeah, we're going to fight for the entire 40 minutes because Georgetown's in, our, um, Georgetown's in our tier. Fun fact, Terry, Henley, Fisher, and Nelson, 16, 16, 15, and 16 points from those four guys. So their best four players were their best four players. It wasn't good enough. Shot 45%. 
wasn't good enough. They lost to Georgetown. They will go winless this season. DePaul, if they don't nail their next head coaching, we need to be talking about realignment. Uh, I want to give one positive. Apparently, Wintrust was pretty active for the Georgetown game. They got a really good crowd. It, it was pretty involved down the stretch. So it's great things for the potential of the program. I mean, Chicago, a huge city. If your team's good, people will show up. I mean, but I just gave Georgetown shit too. But DePaul's been bad for so long. I don't blame the DePaul fans. All right, right. We got two teams left, like I was trying to tell you. Uh, we have Butler and Marquette. Who would you like to talk about first? One is a stock rise. One is a stock fall. Let's talk about Butler. I think it's – there's more to say about Butler. And, uh, you know, they had a tough game. They had a tough week this week. Yeah, I mean, Ryan, I, I, maybe I'm coming in hot to this, but for me, I'm, I'm almost selling Butler stock right now because I, I was like, okay, this Butler team passes all the eye tests. We talked about this all season that they were one of those teams that you looked at and you're like, they should be really good going into tonight um, or after today, they are ninth in the standings for the big East. They are seven and 10. They have lost 10 games. You talked about St. John's um, that they have the possibility of winning 11 games. Butler can't even win 11 big East games at this point. Yeah. And you're on a, they're on a four game losing streak right now after losing to Villanova and Seton Hall this week. In two games they really needed, right? Because those are two battles of the bubble. Villanova and Seton Hall. And now Villanova and Seton Hall find themselves on the right side. And Butler is falling off quick to the point where they need a pretty deep Big East tournament run to be in the conversation on Selection Sunday. Um, increasingly, and this is, this is getting weird, increasingly their offense is reliant on Tosh Alexander three-point attempts. Have you noticed this? It's, it's, it can't be the game plan, but, I mean, he took, he took six. Against Villanova. Is that good? Yeah. Is I mean, that what you want? Listen, I watched Posh, Posh Alexander for a lot of years at this point. I don't think any coach. Talk to him. You talk to him outside a bar. Tell him about his height, right? Tell everyone about his height. I'm taller than Posh Alexander, and I'm six even, so do with that what you want. And then Posh, uh, he took five more against Seton Hall. Now, listen, he went three of five against Seton Hall, but concerning to me that the way the offense is trending is it's really relying on Pasha Alexander. Their offense is supposed to be their strength. And when you're relying on a, a bad three point shooter to get up 11 shots in two games, it's yeah. more concerning for me is Pierre Brooks right now. Uh, Pierre Brooks in his last three games are two, 10 and eight while shooting one of six, four of eight and three and 11 from the field. This guy I thought was their unquestioned best player of the non-con at least. And he's coming out and he's just not performing where he needs to be. He needs, he needs to be their star. In my opinion, he needs to be the one taking the shot down the stretch um, because everybody else is so high and low, but I think his ability to take over a game is different than anyone else on this team. Yeah. Right. I don't, I, I don't really know what to do with your Posh Alexander stat because then they sit him sometimes in close games and let Finley play the point guard position. Well, so you're I relying think, on someone you don't trust in. I think Fed. He's got a number of ball handers. It's not bad. Handlers, it's not right? bad. Pierre Brooks can run in a pick and roll. Even Jamil Telfort, he'll put in a pick and roll or he'll put the ball in his hands. But what that means is if the ball is not in Posh's hands, he has to space the floor. He can't space the floor. So it's freaking up the whole offense because the guy's, help, right, the guy's helping off of Posh, it, it, jamming up the lane. You're leaving him open. And now Posh has to take all these threes. I, you know, that's why they play a lot of Finley Bizjack because Finley's actually a three-point threat. I, I agree with you. I think that they, the spacing of the floor, I think Thad's a good enough coach. So last year, we, 
I don't want to relate it back to UConn, but we saw UConn figure out how to put their playmaker in a, when people are daring him to shoot, they put him in a position where he was just kind of the, he became the playmaker for the team here, you know, in the middle of the zone or ball in his hand a little bit more. I think Posh Alexander is that good where he can figure it out and Thad can figure it out. Is there enough time for this? I do believe, right, when they play St. John's this week, that game, we've been, I've been hyperbolic and everything, hand up, I'll admit it. I believe that if whoever wins that game will be at least closer to the bubble and whoever loses that game, go home. You only have a chance at the automatic qualifier. So don't go home. Go to Madison Square Garden. That's home. All right. Well, you want to move over to Marquette and do our 10th team of the week? Yeah, and in no way do we need any disrespect to Marquette because they won two games this week, beating DePaul and beating Xavier, both soundly. Tyler Kolick beat the Marquette single-game single assist record against DePaul with 18 assists. And Cam Jones, very easy math here, averaged 34 points a game in this week. 34 points against DePaul, and then 34 points on his birthday today against Xavier. This Marquette team, Rye, I don't want to buy stock, all of it, but I'm buying all the stock. Like, you're going to have to right now. I have my carriage full. I believe this Marquette team, Chaka Smart is thrilled they lost by 28 against UConn because he is saying, you guys weren't locked in, you weren't focused. Now you believe what I say, and you better believe he's kicking their ass every single day. I think Marquette goes to the Final Four. Sharpie. I mean, we talked to Tyler Kolick about it, right? Before the UConn game, he's like, no, I'm just saying we did. And he would say, you know, I look for little things like, oh, that fan over there said, I'm not shit. I got to prove to him. You want to talk about a chip you could place on your shoulder. I bet you a lot of money. He's not thinking about going on podcasts right now. I bet you he's, he's pretty locked in right now. And he wants to, uh, you know, he gets UConn again. UConn has to go out there and I'm, I bet you he's thinking about that a lot. I think he's thinking about Cam Spencer yelling at his boy, Ben Gold. I mean, this he looked like he was having the most fun of his life when he was playing against DePaul. It was really fun to watch a player like that who has such a storied career um, claim a record because we're going to talk about Tyler Kolick as one of the best passers in Marquette history, and now he literally has the record for pass or assistant Marquette. I mean, this this Marquette team, with Cam Jones playing the way he is and David Joplin playing the way he is and Tyler Cole and Otso Iguodaro being the pillars of this team, this Marquette team has all the makings of being a team that it, you're picking to go all the way in March. Because also, revenge-wise, Rye, we talked about this last year with UConn. UConn lost against New Mexico State. Then they got into the tournament again. Those three guys that were leading them had a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. You don't think Tyler Kolick... I would be shocked if Tyler Kolick didn't have the Michigan State box score printed out and put it in everyone's locker because for um, this year for the tournament because that's the way that they play. They play with a, better with a chip on their shoulder, and they play better when they're hunted. Yeah, I mean, all of that's true, and all of that helps, but I think much more in real-world effect is what you referenced to Cam Jones getting hot. Kind of the question mark about Marquette throughout Big East play has been shooting. Uh, they've lost a few games. They lost to Butler. They lost to UConn, as you referenced earlier in this podcast, because they just couldn't hit shots. If Cam Jones gets red hot down the stretch, I mean, you have the best pick and roll operator and, and Osoe Godaro, who's one of the best, you know, big man pick and roll guys in the country. And then now you have a, a Cam Jones who's red hot shooting. That's a recipe for Final Four. Absolutely. And you need guard play. You, if Tyler Kohler doesn't break his thumb again this year, he's going to be really good in the tournament. If Cam Jones is a 30-point scorer, 
I mean, this this team just has the recipe to me. And Oso Godaro, you might as well be watching film on him. If you're a Big Ten team about to go play Oso Godaro, you might as well start watching film on him now because there's no freaking way you're going to be able to figure him out in the tournament. And nobody can. I mean, Big East coaches have had him for three years now, and they can't figure him out. So, um, yeah, I mean, definitely a, gr- a great stock up, bounce back after that UConn loss, and let's see when they face some better competition. All right, that's 10 teams. Stick around after this short break to hear the center for the Seton Hall Pirates, Mr. Jaden Bediaco, one of my favorite players to play in the Big East this season. Great interview coming up shortly. All right, Big East Barroom fans, we are excited to announce that we have joined forces and partnered with Home Field Apparel. One of the great things about Home Field Apparel is they cover all 11 Big East teams. I like it because you get the generic shirts from the team store and all this. No, you're going to Home Field Apparel. You're going to be getting a new shirt. You're going to be wearing something unique. People are going to stop you. They're going to say, where'd you get that? You're going to say Home Field Apparel. All right. You're going to say, enter the code B-E-B-R and you get a discount. How about that? And then you're going to take their phone. We've talked a lot about this on the podcast. You're going to take their phone. You're going to take their credit card out respectfully, and you're going to put in the information, B-E-B-R, get yourself a discount, get yourself a Big East shirt. You're going to the Big East tournament. You want to wear a shirt. You don't want to be the guy who has the Creighton Blue Jay, just like everybody else. Go get yourself a shirt, Home Field Apparel, B-E-B-R. Check us out. All right, Big East Barroom fans, we are joined by fourth place, Seton Hall, picked ninth in the conference their center is joining us today, Jaden Bediaco. I just figured out how to say his last name correctly, so that's why I'm taking my time with it uh, while we're learning. Um, one of the big surprises of the Big East. Jaden, thank you so much for joining us today. Appreciate you guys for having me. Yeah, absolutely. We were really looking forward to this um, because Seton Hall has been one of the biggest surprises, as Tyler mentioned, in the Big East. I will take this moment to admit I was wrong. I didn't see it coming. Uh, so you guys have absolutely proven me wrong, and, and it's been one of the most fun teams to watch over the course of this season. Um, and I want to jump in and say that I was right because I picked Seton Hall to be in the tournament this year. So if we're going to pick between one of us, Ryan, it doesn't matter who's right or wrong, but I am right, correct? Sure. <laughs> but you had a huge win uh, just yesterday. Um, you went one to know this week over Butler at home uh, in a game that was, you know, some people were talking about was a battle of the bubbles. You know, both teams looking to get into the NCAA tournament. Was there any conversations had in the locker room prior to that game about the importance of it for your postseason future? Or was that brought up at all? Yeah, to answer that question, uh, I think you guys been here in the Big East like longer than I have been. And like, I think everyone kind of knows Coach Shaw's reputation. He's more of a just take it a one game at a time. I don't care about the media, what they're saying about us. To be honest with you, sometimes I've been looking in that direction. You know, I think the night before I saw ESPN, Joe Lenardi, they were putting a thing saying there should be a bubble for the for the Big East tournament because the the, the bubble in this conference is crazy. It's, it's a log jam. So, um, I mean, and I've never been in this position before, too. So I knew, like, me, like, didn't put pressure on myself, but something sticks in the back of my head. Like, every game is, like, kind of a must win just to help us build our resume up and get into the dance, you know, because we worked so hard. So now, like, you know, we had those little bumps earlier on in the season, but now, you know, we're, we're just right there. Like, it's it's in our possession right now, and it's our future. But Coach Shaw's preaching always one game at a time, one game. We're about, the, we're about Wednesday. Don't worry. But don't think about Sunday. Don't think about next week, the last couple home. Just Wednesday's a big one. Just They're all big. So, yeah. 
And Jaden, that's, I mean, you guys go out there and you beat Butler pretty, you know, not soundly, but you, you know, you did take it to him and you got nine points, nine rebounds, four blocks. Can you talk about how every night in the big East you're playing the center position, what it's like to go against these other centers, because man, this big East, you know, is loaded at that position. Yeah, no, it's perfect. Like you said, it's loaded. Like, you know, every, like these guys ain't no slouch, right? Um, everyone, these, all, every type of center I played in this biggies, everyone kind of has their own like unique, like physical traits, what they kind of do great and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, our coach do a great job of preparing for scout though, but it's still a battle regardless though. But one thing I love about this conference is that they do, they do let you play a little more, a lot more. So like, you know, unless I'm, unless I'm becoming stupid sometimes, I'm not going to pick up like two dumb ones early in the first half. Right. So, um, but it's been tough though. And, you know, it's, you got locked down like one through five, everyone can play like in the starting five in, in every um, team in the Big East. So definitely some of the best. And some of these guys are going to be like NBA players one day or play professionally overseas NBA for a long time. So these are some of the best opponent centers I'm playing in my, my career so far. So it's tough, man. But I mean, I was glad to have like go through like that stretch we started earlier in the season, just kind of get a feel for Big East play. And playing the non-con we did, especially the high major teams, it's kind of like it's helped a lot. And obviously practice, it's going out with some of the guys too. So it's it's been good, but it's, it's difficult every night though. But it's good though. I came in for a challenge, so the challenge is there. I just take, I'm just taking it. And let's uh, take a moment to give you some flowers here. You lead the Big East in offensive rebounding percentage. I don't know if you know that. Uh, you had nine rebounds in this game, as Tyler mentioned, all four offensive rebounds. You're a monster on the glass. What do you think it is about yourself that makes you such a, an effective offensive rebounder that you lead in, you know, one of the best conferences in the country at it? I think it's just play my role, really. You know, we – this team is very talented. This senior hall team is very talented. But I kind of just, like, find my I, – I, throughout the season, I found my way to how to insert myself and, in, like, insert my dominance, my will – and how to help this team in whatever I can, though. So if it's offensive rebounding, it's making sure I'm up on the ball screens and stuff like that. But it might be just even a Canadian thing, too. Like, you guys remember Tristan Thompson? Like, he was a, a great offensive rebounder in the NBA. Like, and that's way he lived his head on, though. I think um, Coach Rasheen Davis sometimes got on me because, like, it's crazy to me how you have – you average about four offensive – four defensive rebounds, but then you average, like, five offensive rebounds or something like that. And I'm – or something like, – early in the season, I'm just like, I mean – I feel like when I offense rebound, it's like I get like three points, right? I get the rebound. I can either score game and when I pass to my teammate, they hit a shot. So I feel like I contribute like to that play right there a lot. So um, it feels more rewarding than defensive rebounding, though. But rebounding in general in this league is very important, especially with all the bigs we play and all the teams we play. But it's just the will, man. Like I, I think Coach Shaw always preaches that too about having the will being tough and stuff like that. So it's just the will, go for it, and you know, just put myself in the right position. Jaden, one of the themes this year for Seton Hall is um, being underrated. You guys were picked ninth in the Big East poll. But also for you, going into this season, we knew what Kadari was in the Big East. We knew what, you know, Dylan Adewusu was in the Big East. We knew what Alamir Dawes, Dre Davis. And the center position was the biggest question mark we talked about. You know, was it going to be by committee or whatever? Did you take that personally in the offseason? Because you've come in and solidified that position. So now it's not a question mark as much. It's a strength. I think I really just came just to prove myself I could play in this league, really. Um, you know, I knew it was up for grabs. So the whole summer, you know, I was making sure I was training, working out my body, keep myself in con uh, conditioning and um, getting stronger and just getting in the gym as much as I can. Um, also, being an older guy, I've been through the, the 
the wars. But I just really think I just, you know, just came in, just want to take, but I seen the tweets though. Like, you know, I seen John Rothstein, John Fanta, everyone was really questioning that center position, who's going to be the center and stuff like that. Um, so, I mean, it's, 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 and this team kind of speaks to like who I kind of am too. Cause even when I was at my old school, we were like always predicted to finish like sixth or seventh in our league, in our 10 bit, in our 10 team league. And we always exceed the expectation though. So being picked ninth though, I mean, we did make history being, I think the first ever seen hall team we picked ninth in the preseason poll, but, um, coach Shaw always believed in this team from day one. And we believed it, you know, as we went through the wars and stuff and, um, it's 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 been great and like I like I like pre- I like proving people wrong I like proving myself wrong too even sometimes I had this feeling like I like oh I don't know if I'm gonna be good enough here okay well right now I'm proving myself wrong about that I can play here Coach Davis the words you could play here if I did if I couldn't recruit you if I didn't if I'm recruiting you and I if we brought you on a fit visit if we if we brought you on a visit we th- we believe you can play here if you didn't think we play you wouldn't be here so um, love being the underdog though and it's kind of cool just like okay like everyone expects no one expects us to do nothing. So when we do it, though, it's not a surprise to us. But to everyone's like, oh, there's a surprise. But it's just – we'll take it. But um, job's not finished yet, right? We're still in the hunt. Still, I think, somewhat on the bubble. I don't really know. Don't care. Really just, just got to play basketball and get as much as we can and um, go dancing. Really want to go dancing this year. Um, down the stretch of this game against Butler, Kadari Richmond made some just ridiculous plays. He has that one and one, um, you know, where he's fading away from the basket. What's it been like to play with him? Kadari's been great, man. Um, he's really helped me a lot, actually, and you know, really helped this team. He's like, if we're like a pack of dogs, I think we're all alphas in some ways, but he's like the top dog, you know. Um, he's really helped us a lot uh, with this team. He's taking this game to another level. I'm still in the running saying he should be a candidate for Big East Player of the Year, or damn near should be a candidate. And Coach Shaw should be damn near Coach of the Year, you know. Pick ninth. He was Kadar wasn't even on, on, on. He wasn't. He didn't make an all first team. No preseason. Anything. I'm like he played in last year. He was a pretty good player, but really showed out his game a lot. He's shooting the ball better, making tough plays for us, getting us set up. And and um, I think for me, it's kind of helped my game a lot too because I played with like guys like R.J. Barry, Andrew Nemhard, Jalen Williams. You know, I think one thing I'm starting to notice when I'm playing with like good like point guards, it's kind of helped my game a lot too. Whether I'm getting in the post or I'm finding ways to score. They're setting me up though. So um, it's been, it's, he's really helped me a lot in my game and in my season. So Craig has to go to him though, but I don't know where we'd be without him though. You know, everyone one through 12 is important on our team, but he's really like important. And I'm still going to shout it out again. He should be in the candidate when y'all do your little, I see y'all little tweets and stuff. Y'all got to put him like, he should be damn near biggest player of the year. Not sure. Not sure. There's a better, uh, a more impactful player in the big East. Jaden, for you personally, you played four years in the WCC coming into this. How does the WCC compare to the Big East, um, you know, on any given night? Well, I think some of the questions you guys asked me earlier really fit into that. Like, sometimes at the five position in the WCC, um, there's some there's some decent fives, though, but they're not, like, threats like these guys in the Big East. And one that I noticed, too, is just the officiating. Like, they let us go at it a lot. So, in the WCC, like, it's like most West Coast um, conferences, Pac-12, Mount West, maybe Mount West is a little bit more physical, but it's like you can't really touch guys, really. As soon as you put a hand on, it's also blown. And I've been, in, I've been in foul trouble before, but since I've been here, I've been in foul trouble, but not as much as I was at Santa Clara. Um, and the league, this league, too, is kind of like, 
it's not there's no like really clear cut like well okay other than UConn but like people thought it was gonna be like a three headed dragon Marquette UConn Crane but you know we kind of come up there Providence has done a great job English he's done a great job there um, Villanova's ran out getting their their win back and getting up to par so and St John's got big women over Crane though so this league's like a battle night in night out no one really is like. No, you're not guaranteed to win the game until you play the game and the game actually finishes. Compared to like when we were in the WCC, it was like you're playing the bottom seller team. There's a good chance you're probably winning that game, you know. And Gonzaga, St. Mary's, and BYU for some extent were running the show, and then you know BYU's had a couple down. We beat BYU a couple times, and we've been like that next third place team. And just seeing how the program is now, like I'm proud. I left it. I left it better than I found it. So it's coming up to somewhat national prevalence and um. They're gonna be a ref. They're gonna be a force to reckon in the WCC. So, yeah, you're looking forward. You got uh, you have four games left in the regular season. Obviously, the Hall's looking to close out strong. You give me a couple key points uh, for Seton Hall to to go into the Big East tournament the way they want to. Finish strong, man. It's kind of like how in some games, Coach Shaw mentions like we didn't finish that half right or we didn't finish that game right towards the end. Like we want to finish this regular season out strong. Um, like I said, take it one game at a time. We want to put ourselves in position to be in position and have a good seating going into the um, Big East uh, tournament, you know, to have momentum going into it because we feel like Coach Shaw said from day one, I believe we can beat anyone. I have the best backcourt here. I have the best couple transfers here. This team's together. Like, he really 100,000% believes in this team a lot. And I'm not going to lie to you. So there's some days, like, earlier on, and I'm like, I don't know if we're going to – I don't know how good we're going to be. I don't know. But – you know, credit to him for believing the coach building this team. Um, yeah, I'm just going to take it one game at a time, finish strong, just play tough basketball. You know, I think when we uh, lost to Villanova, I think one of the reporters I heard someone texting me saying the reporter said the Bullies got bullied, you know, and that kind of like stuck with us because people see us being, you know, the way Coach Shaw runs his defense stuff, we're like we play bully, like we're going to bully you on the defensive end. So seeing that, we're getting that punch from Nova, though, like now we're like, okay, like that's, that's not happening again. The Bullies cannot get bullied. You just play tough, hard-nosed basketball. And I think, you know, that's – I think um, Coach Patino said said it best. Like, I think Coach Shaw recruited guys who kind of fit him, mimic him, you know. And when you guys ask about, like, yeah, you play hard and all that stuff, it's – that's all That's all he asks uh, from uh, all of us. Just just play hard. Play hard. I can't get upset about that. You just play hard. And playing hard leads to a lot of wins. Like, we've seen – like, we, you guys seen how we do. When we play hard, we're into it and we're, we're getting after it, especially the defensive end. Like – the offense will take care of itself. Yeah. Jaden, have you played at Madison Square Garden? I know that the game um, this year is at UBS. If I'm correct about um, when you guys played St. John's. Yeah, yeah, it was at UP, UBS Arena. Yeah, no, I never played at MSG. Been there a couple times, but never played. So really excited for that one. I, that's the first, next question I was going to ask is, how excited are you to play at Madison Square Garden knowing that you guys, I mean, hey, maybe UConn's the number one, but you guys have as good a chance of anyone else to win that Big East tournament. I mean, playing MSG, I went for a couple of games because uh, I have some friends, obviously, in the league, and they got me tickets to some games. But I can see why it's called the Mecca of basketball. That's one, like, just so much history in that arena and, like, even all the Big East games. So definitely excited to go there and play and um, get some redemption, too, I heard after what happened, like, last year. You know, you guys type it. You, you can type in Seen Hall and DePaul, and you won't find the game we played them this year. You'll find some games from, like, last year, a few years ago. But the most, the most game that comes up is the one, the Big East tournament from last year and it just has coach Shaw going like this this is the thumbnail so like i obviously know something happened in that game um going back for redemption want to make a deep run in that 
and we have, we have a good shot. Yeah, like we have been everyone at least once in this league, so we can we can play with anyone. We're like we're not going in there scared. We we respect everyone. You know, teams have got us too, but we respect everyone. But we're not afraid of no one, and we're just gonna play scene hall basketball. That's the one thing they preach a lot too: play scene hall basketball. It ain't no hero ball. It ain't let one guy go for forty. It's not. It's like everyone. It's everyone has the role to do. Do your role hard. Everyone can do a little more, you know. It's everyone got to step up, and um, th- that's what seeing all basketball is. And just like, like I said, it's also bully basketball too. So we're gonna grind you out and play hard defense. So, but yeah, but also super excited for the Garden. Um, my family, some of my family members will be there, and uh, this is, yeah, like I mean, you know, you go to Vegas and the West Coast a lot. There's some nicer venues out west. You know, my brother played in the SEC at Alabama, so obviously Nashville was nice. And then the Big Ten goes to United and Minnesota. But the Big East, man, is, yeah, MSG. Like, I don't know what place you want to be in, especially this year, too. Like, Joel and I said, the bubble implication is going to be huge. So, you know, I think we squeak out at least – we can get – I think we can go all the way, but we get, like, two wins. Again, you're going to play quad one teams especially, too. It's like you're just building up that resume, building up that seating. Yeah, I'm excited. Jaden, before we let you go, uh, you went to the NIT tournament twice with Santa Clara. Yeah. What would it mean to hear your name called on Selection Sunday to go to the March Madness? Man, it's been – I don't know. Like, you know, if they, if they have the TV camera crew there and, like, you might see me, like, jumping and shouting and all that stuff, you know. I, I watch Selection Sunday a lot, so seeing those other teams get in, like, I think the one that kind of really, like, got to me was – uh, it was two years ago, I think, 2020 – it was the 2022 tournament. San Francisco got in in our league. So it was Gonzaga, BYU, Gonzaga, St. Mary's, and San Francisco. And, you know, people were like, wait, you know, no BYU. This never seen San Francisco. It's been a while. See, though, I saw them on their campus. Talk homes, they were on campus. They had their people around them. It looked like great, like Selection Sunday. Like, So it, it, mean, it would mean a lot, you know. And now, obviously, it's not like – that's not the journey, though. That's just part of the mission. That's like a checkpoint. But also, it would be great to see Scene Hall, whatever seed, playing here, seeing that on Selection Sunday. That would just be amazing. Like, I think now – being in my fifth year and last year, like I can appreciate, like, you know, like not everyone really gets to go to the tournament. It's 68 teams, but it's like, you know, you got your automatic qualifiers, you got your bid stealers, and like the high made the power six leagues, like, you know, they, they're multi bids, but you know, like for example, this year, the Mountain West has six, Mountain West really had six teams in, which is like unheard of. I don't, I never heard a, a Pac-12 get six, WCC never got six, Big West never got six, like six. That's lots of bids I've been taking right now. So, um, it, it's 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 compact, so MSG is really important in the Big East tournament. But honestly, would love to hear that name called, celebrate with my team, knowing that hey, like this is part of the reason. This is part of the reason why I came here. I came here also to, like get a chance to be in the tournament because I know how all the quads work. And at Santa Clara, we were always good and close, but it's just like like some teams didn't want to play us in the non-con, and then in the conference, like Gonzaga, St. Mary's would be your quad ones. And then BYU on some years, the last two years, they've been iffy. They've been quad two, quad one ish a bit. But we've been them. I think I'm the last the last two years I've been like three and zero against BYU. So we, we got them. But then everyone else is kind of like quad three, quad four. And you know, we had a couple slip ups sometimes. We lose we lost one game in the Pacific. That was a quad three or four loss that really hurt us. So um the NIT's been good, but obviously after doing it twice now, I'm like, okay, I wanna actually get to the real thing and wanna go dance and go. I want to go on the court where it says March Madness has the brackets and all that stuff. So it mean a huge thing. And um, it was just nothing, nothing that I'd say, like, I proved myself right. 
slash wrong a bit. Like, I wanted to go to the March Madness. That's why I came here. And people are like, oh, why are you going to see it all? I'm like, well, this, this, this. But also, too, like, there's so much more opportunities to get wins and go to the tournament in that league. So, really huge. We'd be really excited. So, if they if they point the camera at us, though, you guys will see me jumping, flexing, screaming, whatever. Hey, we love that. Jaden Maybe coming into the season. Seton Hall in the center were a question mark, but question mark no more. We can't say thank you enough for coming on with us. We're hoping Seton Hall goes dancing, and we'll be seeing you at Madison Square Garden pretty soon. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. And, guys, keep up the good work, man. You guys do a really good job. Like, I'll pay attention. And, like, this is – I mean, the WCC, we never had, like, no – I think someone started it right now on unofficial WCC podcast, so that just started. But you guys have been doing this for a while. And I remember when I committed, you guys texted me, like, can't wait to see you in the – can't wait to cover you in the Big East. So keep the great work you guys are doing, man. This is – this is you guys have been great to – see your tweets and um, all your stuff, whether just about the Big East in general, though. And this is why this conference is very, very special. And it's one of the best conferences in the league. So, yeah, I appreciate you guys. Thank you, man. It means a lot. All right. That was a ton of fun. Thank you so much, Jaden, for coming on the podcast. We'd love to have you back on any time. Um, that wraps up week 16 of the Big East Barroom podcast. As always, we want to thank you guys for tuning in. We appreciate you interacting with us, listening, liking, everything that you guys do. You're the best. We're going into March. Our next episode will be in the month of March. Um, so we're in the best time of the season. Tyler, anything you want to say before we go? Our credentials got approved. We're going to be at the Big East Tournament. We should say that. We should say thank you to everybody who got us the opportunity to do this. If nobody listened to us and we were just talking to ourselves, which we were doing at the bar room anyway, uh, we would not have the opportunity to do this. Our credentials are approved. We will be at the Big East Tournament. We will be sitting there uh, watching all these games. We will not be able to drink, though, so that's unfortunate. Um, but as always, thanks for pulling up a stool. <laughs>